Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, January 28, 2018. Our text for the morning comes from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 21 through 28, which are as follows. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. I must have been maybe three, four years old. I don't remember when, but it's one of those stories that sticks with you till the day you die. There was a certain, there's a certain strength, a certain group in my family that lives on 40 acres in Keithville, Louisiana. And my meemaw, my great grandmother lived down there. And whenever we would want to call meemaw, we'd call down there and Aunt Faye would pick up. Then we had to tell Aunt Faye, hang up, because we're calling to talk to Meemaw. Because they were all on a party line down there. How many of y'all remember a party line? And then you remember what was funny is people tried to be slick about the party line. Because they knew when we called back down there to talk to Meemaw, you could hear that click on the extension. You know what I'm talking about? Was our family the only one that sometimes said stuff just for the people who were eavesdropping? You know, people you knew were listening in? Or was that just us? I can tell by the laughter what's going on. And it's funny because we had the party line in those days, and we've got Twitter and MySpace and Facebook and Vine and what a million different social applications out there today. And it's amazing, no matter the technology, no matter the era, gossip has always gotten around. Do y'all know anything about gossip being here in the Ritter? Borgard Parish, do y'all know anything about that? Do I need to explain it at all? No, but, you know, it's funny, because here's what happens. Start whispering to each other. Y'all know about that? And how many times have you heard a story that was absolutely nothing like what it was at the beginning? The whole idea of don't bother me with the facts, the story is good. Y'all ever dealt with any people like that? Anybody? Boy, y'all are getting quiet. Maybe I've gotten too close too quick. But see, here's the thing. I would love to have seen Jesus' day with a party line or Jesus' day with Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and all that other stuff that's out there. Can you imagine the texts that are flying? Can you believe this guy? I don't like his style. I don't like his dress. Can you believe what he did? And you'd have commentators that were the traditionalists on one side, and they would have their own network, and they would have their devotees. Then you had the people over here who were uh, more radical, and they'd be going in a whole different way, and they'd have their audience. Could you imagine Fox and MSNBC in the biblical times? 
Wouldn't that be hysterical? I promise you we wouldn't have the Bible we have. But we had somebody in the middle of it all that was gossip worthy and his name is Jesus. If you are a traditionalist, it is very hard for you to worship Jesus because Jesus changed everything. He challenged the social mores. He challenged the status quo. He challenged the church. He challenged the government. He challenged everything. And in today's passage, which Kayla read so well, in today's passage, we see Jesus stirring it up in a way that would have made that party line melt. You know, and it's funny to watch because we like to be people who think, that faith is a faith that doesn't change. Your faith in God may never change, but the particulars will. You're not the same person at 42 that you were at 22, that you'll be at 62, that you'll be at 82. Is anybody 102 in here? All right, I'm just going to stop. I was going to keep going until I got everybody inclusive here. But our interactions never change. Our interactions change, but our God does not change. And you see here that we're continuing from last week and Jesus and his followers went down to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and talked and taught. Well, sitting here on this side of history, that makes perfect sense. Jesus walks in, he's going to get the floor. We'll have to say in the perfect form of the United States Senate, the distinguished gentleman from Nazareth would like the floor here. But Jesus was not a scribe. He was not a Pharisee. He was not a teacher. He was not a rabbi. And yet he walked into the church, into the temple, into the synagogue, and he taught. And that's the first place we will have trouble with Jesus if we hold on to what was and what is and not what can be. Christ does the unexpected and in unexpected ways. <coughs> we all have this idea of how certain professions and certain behaviors go together. We have this idea of accepted norms. And we don't do too well when people don't match up to our preconceived notions of who they are. And this is very on and early in Jesus' ministry. Mark starts in a different place than some of the other Gospels do. But Jesus is laying down His claim now that he is not going to be behaving in a way that their Savior they thought should. He's not going to be carrying his ministry out in a way that they thought that he should. But he was going to do things differently. Christ does the unexpected and in unexpected ways. You know, he goes on and he says, "...they were astounded at his teaching." For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, O Holy One of God. Can you imagine party line blowing up at this point? I think my Aunt Faye's hair fell out at this point. Because of the idea. Who was it in the synagogue that identified Jesus as the Holy One of God? Was it the rabbi? 
Was it the music crew? Was it the usher? Was it the president of the United Methodist Women? Was it the leader of a Bible study? Was it the Sunday school teacher? Who was it that identified Jesus as the Holy One of God? Right there in the text, and it should make us all uncomfortable. A man with an unclean spirit. Who is it in our lives that is trying to call our attention to God? But we miss it because we're so wrapped up in how they do it, they forget, we forget what they're doing. Who is it in our lives that is trying to focus us and to identify who God is and help us to be part of God's kingdom? But we miss what they're saying because we're so caught up in stylistic differences. Because let us remember the most unexpected recognize Christ's power and authority. The challenge there for us, brothers and sisters, and that, st- and that part right there, is to be people who instead of looking for certain things, have our eyes open enough that we expect to find God everywhere and in everything. Instead of us having our prescribed notions of who God is and how God's going to work, instead of having our prescribed notions of how it's supposed to play out, what would happen? How much would our lives change, the lives of our family and the lives of our community, our church, and our world, how much would they change if we just simply put aside our prejudices, our biases, and our expectations of what people are supposed to do and actually opened our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to God being present in whatever form God chooses to take. Jesus rebuked the man with the unclean spirit, saying, Be silent! And come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority? Mabel, you ain't gonna believe what I saw at the church today. And the next thing you know, two days later, somebody's going to be saying, well, did you hear what happened out at the church today? You ain't going to believe what he did. And that's what they're doing here. That's what they're saying about Jesus. What is this? What is this? A new teaching? With authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. A new teaching with Authority. Look who listens to this guy. Look at the revelation that we're getting through this guy. Remember, Jesus wasn't teaching his own story about himself. The story we tell is not ours, but God's. The story is not ours, but God's. Let us never forget that when we get hung up on what we can see, we are missing what God's actually doing. Any retired teachers or current teachers in the room? Raise your hands. I'm going to tell you something. I had a lot of teachers I loved, but the ones I learned the most from were the ones that drove me nuts. 
Does that sound about right? The, I can still remember, and I'm not going to call their names. This is going to be on a podcast later this week. And I know some of them listen because I've gotten some emails. But I'll never forget those lessons. And I think it had to do more than anything with I was waiting with bated breath for what was coming next. The ones that drove me nuts the most were the ones I paid the most attention to and the ones who taught me the most because they challenged me. They challenged my thinking and they challenged me to look at life in a different way and they challenged me to experience life in a different way. What is it, church, that we miss about the truth of God being revealed to us because we get so caught up in how it should be done that we miss the fact that it is being done. How much do we miss the fact that it is not about us? It is not our story. It is not about us. It is God's story. We are simply to be His vessels. When I go in and pray, I almost said cry, but I meant to say pray with the choir before worship. Part of my prayer is that we are instruments of God's mercy, that it is not our work, but that it is God's being done. And the reason that has to be the case, not just for the choir, but for all of us, is because we're telling a story that is not ours. And when we make it about us, we're inviting trouble. Jesus wasn't really giving them a whole lot of new teaching. He was just presenting it in a different way. And then this gets to the fourth point. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. They saw Jesus' work. They saw him with the unclean spirit. They saw him teaching as one with authority in the temple. And they had to tell somebody. Upon witnessing Christ's work, we can't but tell the story. We can't but tell the story. Whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's WhatsApp, whatever it is, whether it's the old party line, whether it's just two of us getting on the phone and then calling a third and then having a meeting and doing this and doing that, we're going to tell the story when we see something different. We're going to tell the story when something doesn't go the way we think it ought to go. We're going to tell the story. But let's make darn sure that when we tell that story, we do not put any limits on God's working through that. Because when we experience God's grace, when we witness the miracles of Christ, and I promise you, you've witnessed more miracles just since you got up this morning than you may realize. And the reason we've missed them as miracles is we expect them. But when we truly encounter the grace of God, when we find ourselves resolved to be Christian disciples, when we resolve our, when we are resolved to be part of the family of God and the community of faith, we know that word will spread. And word will spread because our lives have been transformed. And when our lives are transformed, families get transformed. And when families get transformed, communities get transformed. And when communities get transformed, the world gets transformed. That's why we're going to spend the entire Lenten season looking at our story. We're going to be looking at the stories of the Scriptures, and we're going to be challenged to write our own stories of how God has transformed our lives.
Because at the end of the day, when we allow ourselves to be caught up in the work of God through Christ and we find ourselves transformed by His grace, word will spread for far too long. We in the institutional church have allowed ourselves to be more worried about the survival of the institution rather than the spreading of the gospel, and it has to stop, and it has to stop now. And part of that message, and part of that mission, and part of what we're going to spend our entire journey to Easter on is getting out of the mindset of worrying about an organization and start worrying about spreading the story of the grace of God in Christ. Because as we saw here, the people encountered God and they went and they told the world. May we too be people who have not only encountered the grace of God in Christ, but may we be people who tell that story to others. Because I promise you, be it resolved that when we follow Christ, word will spread. Thank you for listening to this podcast of First United Baptist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana. You may find out more about us at fumcderitter.org.